And uh, I, myself, um, I didn't grow up in a, in a Christian home. I didn't follow Jesus until uh, I was about 19, 20 years old. And uh, it was only a couple of years after that that I decided myself to get baptised uh, like these guys uh, are today. Uh, I decided to do what Jesus has asked of me and get baptised in water. Um, I was at university at the time um, and I invited my, my family um, I invited my classmates, that was my final year at uni, and I invited all my teammates from uh, the sports team that I played for. And uh, when it came to inviting the sports team, I had to, had to wait, I had to plan it quite carefully because they, they were a tricky lot to communicate with. And uh, so we were coming back from an away game. It was uh, in the far-flung parts of Scotland. We were coming back on this long trip back. And uh, as part of that, um, we'd had a big sing-song, as you do as a, as a sports team, uh, in a fairly raucous kind of way. We'd had a whip round for the driver uh, to make amends for our raucous behaviour, as generally as you do. And um, so I then announced to everyone that uh, off the back of us singing some songs and uh, taking an offering, it was now time for the sermon, and uh, I announced to them that uh, I was getting baptised. There was a huge laugh as I was expecting. They laughed their socks off. In fact, one person even offered to knit me a christening shawl, especially for the occasion, which uh, never did materialise, but there you go. And, uh, but once I, it all died down, some of, the, some of them were interested and uh, about half of them came to support me in that. It meant a lot to me and I know it means a lot to these guys today that you're here uh, to support them. Um, I had to pick a tune. I had to pick a, a hymn or a song or something that some of my friends might know, um, which was really tricky. So the only thing I could come up with that I thought they might know was one to the tune of Danny Boy, which is the song they knew well, the Londonderry Air, and uh, the hymn I Cannot Tell, uh, whom angels worship, should set his love. Why should he set his love upon the sons of men? Or why, as shepherd, he should seek the wanderers to bring them back, they know not why or when. Anyway, that was my hope, that at least they'd be able to join in on one of the songs uh, in the service. And uh, baptism is a really strange word, because it's a word that is taken directly into our language from another language. And there's a number of words that you'll be familiar with, like cafe, that we take directly from the French. Uh, pizza, which we're very happy to take directly from the Italians. Robots, which comes from the Czech. Uh, shampoo um, comes from uh, the Indian language, Hindi, I think. Uh, kebab, we're very happy with those ones as well, from the Persian language and the Turkish language. Hippopotamus comes straight from the Greek, as does the word baptism. It is a word that comes directly from the language. And a friend of mine was in Greece on holiday one day and decided he was going to ask a waiter what this word meant. So he said, what, tell me what baptism means. And the guy looked a little bit curious and eventually he said this. He said, well, he, he didn't say anything. He said, ah, baptizo. And he took a piece of bread and he dipped it in his soup and pulled it out again. And he said, baptizo. So he's like, I understand it now, okay? You put it in and it comes out drenched in something and it comes out different. We're going to spare you the tomato soup today. You'll be glad to know. We're just going for straight water uh, in that. Blacksmiths also used to use the word. It was, a, it was a word that they used quite a lot. They'd have a hot piece of metal and they'd be shaping it and the kids might be hanging around and they'd say, what do you think I'm making with this, with this thing? And they'd say, oh, it might be a sword. You know, they'll have a guess at it. And then he'd whack it against the wall and he'd reheat it and he'd reshape it and then he'd plunge it into the pool as a way to just cool it down very, very quickly and it would hold its cutting edge um, so that it never got blunt uh, again. That was the, the idea of it, a picture of baptism. And we read in John, uh, John writes this uh, when he's baptizing and he baptized there in this stretch of the river because there was plenty of water there. The river was deep enough 
for that. And so people around the world baptize in all sorts of places, in rivers, uh, in lochs and lakes, in the sea, uh, in baths, and uh, we've even uh, baptized in swimming pools in both Mosley and Kings Heath uh, over the years. I heard just the other day of two people that were baptized in the Firth of Forth estuary, just beyond Edinburgh, following the Try Praying campaign, which I know a lot of people have been involved in, uh, one on the North Bank, one on the South Bank, so some good stuff happening uh, over there. But wherever it is, we've got a large pool outside, which we've set up, there needs to be plenty of water. John said nothing about the temperature of the water. He only mentioned the amount of water, so there's no promises uh, on that front. So what does baptism signify? So for Kate, for Jess, and for Anna, they today are saying to the rest of us that God is transforming them from the inside out, that he is transforming their lives because of their faith in this person, Jesus Christ. The old has gone and the new has come. And so baptism speaks of death, of burial, and of resurrection. Firstly, of death and burial, okay, of our old selfish, independent selves. The old self dies. As they go into the water, they're being buried. Uh, They're being cut off from their sin. Now, sin is another strange word. It's another word we struggle to really get our heads around. Somebody once uh, likened it to uh, a shopping trolley with a dodgy wheel on it. You know, you want it to go in this direction, but it keeps going in that direction. And it takes an inordinate amount of effort to get it to go in the right direction. And uh, you don't have to be around on this planet very long to realize that's what our lives are like. You know, I would love to be like this, but I keep doing that. I keep getting it wrong in so many ways. You know, my aim is this way, but it goes that way. It seems to have a will of its own, um, this built-in tendency to go the wrong way. And that's me, and that is each one of us. And it, um, it needs new wheels. It needs new wheels. I need new wheels. I need fixing. I need forgiving. And every single one of us does. And so we get rid of the old, and we put on the new. The old needs to be taken to the tip and buried and, uh, and left there, and so do we. And we take our sin to the cross. That's our tip, if you like. And we leave it on the cross and we bury it with Christ. Because our greatest need is to be rescued from this inherent tendency in each one of us. Because it pollutes us, it has power over us, and it cuts us off from God. And that true life, that true spiritual life and power. And one day, actually, we will be held account for it also. Uh, a poet once wrote this. If our greatest need had been information, God would have sent us an educator. If our greatest need had been money, God would have sent us an economist. If our greatest need had been technology, God would have sent us a scientist. And if our greatest need had been pleasure, God would have sent us an entertainer. But our greatest need was forgiveness. And so God sent us a saviour, the rescuer. In fact, that's what the name Jesus actually means. It means literally he saves, he rescues. And so that leads us on to our second aspect, and that is that baptism signifies a washing, as uh, the guy in the video said. It's about cleaning our souls, uh, if you like. Because what Jesus said was, it's not what's on the outside that makes us unclean, it's what's on the inside of us that makes us unclean. And the attitudes in there, our hearts, our evil thoughts, immorality, lying, all of those things that come from within us. Uh, when I was a teenager, I had uh, another friend uh, called Anthony, and Anthony did not like having baths. He thought it was cool, as many teenagers may do. And he, he was a pretty filthy guy, to be honest. But he, his line was, I don't really want to have a bath because it'd be like saying goodbye to old friends. And uh, we, we were fairly keen that he would say goodbye to some of these old friends, but he used to use it as a joke. 
But sometimes in our lives, we don't want to change because we want to hold on to our old friends because we think things that are actually sinful are our friends, but they really aren't. They are not our friends. Um, they, things that often harm us uh, in life and do a lot of, uh, cause a lot of mess in our lives are things that we need to get, get rid of and there's a possibility through here. And even if we just get one thing wrong in life, it says in the Bible that actually we're guilty of breaking all of God's laws. And that seem, might seem a little strange. So another illustration that I sometimes find helpful is the, is, the, is the glass of clean Highland spring water. Beautiful, pure, absolutely clear. And uh, you drink it um, at a nod. And then another glass of the most disgusting pollution you can imagine, with toxic fumes coming out of it, disease and dirt that you've never imagined, it's all in there. You're not going to go near it, okay? But you take one drop of the pollution and you put it in the nice Highland spring water. And then the question is, will you drink this now? And the answer is probably unlikely. Okay? Because you know one little bit of pollution actually pollutes the whole thing. And so it is with our lives, we're polluted. And it's very easy to see it out there. It's easy to look at the newspapers and look on the internet and look at the world and watch the news and say, out there it's terrible, there's violence out there, there's abuse out there, there's terror out there, there's bullying out there, there's greed out there, there's, there's self-serving shortcuts out there and injustice. But actually, it's out there because it's in here, it's inside each one of us. So with our lives. And uh, what comes out of here is not a spring of Highland spring water, contrary to what everyone might believe. So I need forgiveness. And that is possible because of Jesus. And our sin is washed away and that is signified in baptism. And if you want to know uh, more about that, you want to discuss more about that, we, we've got a, a little leaflet called Why Jesus, a little red leaflet. We run the Alpha course where you can sign up for and discuss that more and I encourage you to do that. But Jesus has made forgiveness possible by paying the penalty for our sins through his death and crucifixion. And so baptism is a picture of purification that each one of us can receive. And having died and been buried and now washed clean, they will then, hopefully, come back out of the water, symbolising that new life. Because it is a resurrection, alive again, and this time truly alive, fullness of life as Jesus promised. So just as Jesus died on a cross and then was buried and then was rose, rose to life again, so we die to ourselves, we are buried in baptism and rise to life. Uh, here's a photo from way back in Riverside's history. Jess may recognise her parents here, and, uh, but there we go. Uh, this is at Mosley Baths. But uh, I want to read from Romans chapter 6 in the New Testament. What then shall we say? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptised into Christ Jesus were baptised into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who's died has been set free from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all, 
But the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who've been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. For sin shall no longer be your master because you are not under the law, but under grace. Baptism is a demonstration of grace, of that inside out transformation that God, God freely offers to every single one of us. Undeserved blessing of God. And so these guys now no longer belong to their old sinful nature. They now belong to another. And baptism seals a promise that they make, that they have made to follow Jesus with their lives. And today, if you're a believer who's been baptized, then we, each one of us, can renew our baptismal commitment, if you like, our promise this morning. And that is a promise to follow Jesus and to be molded in our character. It's a promise to allow the fruit of the Holy Spirit to develop in us through the challenges of life. And it's a promise uh, to be available for the love of the Father to flow through us to other people. We're baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the baptism is, is like a sealing. It's like a marriage ceremony in a sense where two, you know, a couple come together and they promise to forsake all others and to commit uh, to one another. And that is what we do as Christians. We commit to forsake all other kind of gods, if you like, all other things that we would follow and to follow um, this God, this Jesus. And they seal it in a marriage by giving of a ring. And we seal it in our faith by being baptized as a reminder um, in that. Let me finish with this poem. When I became a Christian, I said, Lord, now fill me in. Tell me what I'll suffer in this world of shame and sin. He said, your body may be killed and left to rot and stink. Do you still want to follow me? I said, amen, I think. I think amen. Amen, I think. I think I say amen. I'm not completely sure. Can we just run through that again? You say my body may be killed and left to rot and stink. Oh, yes, that sounds terrific, Lord. I say amen, I think. But Lord, there must be other ways to follow you, I said. I really would prefer to end up dying in my bed. Well, yes, he said, you could put up with sneers and scorn and spit. Do you still want to follow me? I said, amen, a bit. A bit, amen, amen, a bit. A bit, I say, amen. I'm, I'm not entirely sure. Can I just run through that again? You say that I could put up with sneers and scorn and spit. Well, yes, I've made my mind up. I'll say, amen, a bit. Well, I sat back and thought a while, then tried a different ploy. Now, Lord, I said, the good book says the Christians live in joy. That's true, he said. You need the joy to bear the pain and sorrow. So do you want to follow me? I said, amen, tomorrow. Tomorrow, Lord, I'll say it then. That's when I'll say amen. I need to get it clear. Can I just run through that again? You say that I will need the joy to bear the pain and sorrow. Well, yes, I think I've got it straight. I'll say amen tomorrow. He said, look, I'm not asking you to spend an hour with me, you know, a quick salvation sandwich and a cup of sanctity. The cost is you, not half of you, but every single bit. Now tell me, will you follow me? I said, amen. I quit. I'm very sorry, Lord. I said, I'd like to follow you, but I don't think religion's the manly thing to do. He said, forget religion then and think about my son and tell me if you're man enough to do the things he's done. Are you man enough to see the need and man enough to go? Man enough to care for those whom no one wants to know? Man enough to say the thing that people hate to hear, to battle through Gethsemane in loneliness and fear. And listen, are you man enough to stand it at the end, the moment of betrayal by the kisses of a friend? 
Are you man enough to hold your tongue and man enough to cry? When nails break your body, are you man enough to die? Man enough to take the pain and wear it like a crown? Man enough to love the world and turn it upside down? Are you man enough to follow me? I ask you once again. I said, oh Lord, I'm frightened. But I also said, amen. Amen, 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 amen. I said, oh Lord, I'm frightened. But I also said, amen. Amen.